Welcome to the Half Price Concessions Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tyler Williams, and on this episode today, this podcast is getting back to what it was supposed to be. Good old boy conversations about the greatest sport of all, motorsports, racing, auto racing, whatever name you want to call it by, there is none better. Truth be told, these last couple of months, I tried to do the weekly update thing, trying to put out weekly content, because it's hard to come up with guests, it's hard to find time in between you know, working a full-time job, being a husband, race announcing, to, to find people to talk to that are within a reasonable driving distance that doesn't sacrifice too much of my time with my family. Charlie Agnew, thankfully, came through with a message, was willing to share some stories, and I'm glad he was. We're putting away the weekly update stuff. We'll still post on the Facebook page about what classes are racing what, but we're done making those into episodes. It was a good two-month try, and we gave it a shot, but it's not who we are. We're about local, grassroots, people, fans, drivers, crew chiefs, announcers, whoever it is, promoters, just sitting down talking about racing. That's all this podcast is. It's all it ever should be. So, without further ado, on the other side of these breaks, we're going to get back to what we do best. And thank you to Charlie Agnew for sitting down for this episode of the Half Price Concessions Podcast as we just shoot the bull about everything from a speedway racing to kart racing to dirt track racing to east alabama motor speedway all kinds of cool stuff you'll definitely find something you probably like in this conversation on the other side of this break charlie agnew joins us on the half price concessions podcast planning on doing some digging in your yard your simple backyard project could quickly turn dangerous Buried underground cables and lines are just inches below the surface, so don't forget to make one very important call to 811. Calling 811 is the first step in having your buried utilities marked so you know where it is safe to dig. 811 is free, it's fast, and it's the law. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. The Half Price Concessions Podcast cannot say thank you enough to Roger Johnson and the awesome folks at the Performance Center Racing Warehouse for all their support of our podcast and of local racing. If you are an asphalt racer and you need your front or rear clip fixed, Performance Center has some of the quickest turnarounds in the country. In the market for a new race car, the PRW chassis is a proven winner. You need something for your asphalt late model stock race car. You need to get in touch with Roger Johnson and Performance Center Racing Warehouse today. Make sure you check out their website it's performancecenter.com that's p-e-r-f-o-r-m-a-n-c-e-n-t-e-r.com you can also like them on facebook at performance center racing warehouse and call them today at 704-838-1400 hey podcast listeners i'm keith montgomery of montgomery performance consulting and i want to help speed up your racing program whether you're racing dirt asphalt or road course putting my years of experience to work for you our pull down services will help find where you're giving up speed so you can unload faster and run up front we also offer trackside consulting and data testing to help you find speed and balance and with our central location in burlington north carolina you can come to us for discounted rates on pull down sessions Call me today at 336-382-1835. Like us on Facebook at Montgomery Performance Consulting and let us help your racing program today. In today's world, you need every advantage you can get when it comes to your personal business or your race car. Accelerated Graphics can help you make the best first impression possible by looking sharp. Whether it's embroidery on hats, t-shirts or polos, trophies, decals, wraps for your race car, wraps for your commercial car, Accelerated Graphics and Jason Turner can help make that possible and help give you a good, clean, professional look that not only attracts new customers, but attracts everybody and their mother to want to see how sharp your vehicles look. Call Accelerated Graphics today at 336-266-5653, visit worth2tenths.com, or find Accelerated Graphics on Facebook and get a hold of Jason Turner today. Here on the Half Price Concessions podcast and just trading racing stories with 
anybody and everybody that has one, no matter how famous or not famous they are. And I don't think this guy wants to be famous. Mr. Charlie Agnew joins me, but I will say, Charlie, from our mutual friends, the Pains, I have heard quite a few stories <laughs> about some of your comings and goings. But uh, first and foremost, man, it's just good to see. You. I feel like we haven't been to a race together in a while. We just, we, our schedules must just not be lined up. Yeah, Tyler, it, it's it is good to see you, man. Uh, I know we've uh, our schedules are kind of flipping and flopping, and then the whole COVID thing and slowed everything down for a while. But now I think we're back to somewhat normal and. We'll get together, man. We're, we we got to go somewhere soon and hang out. I will give you credit. You're the reason I got to go see at least one night of dirt racing at Bristol because you were supposed to go, and it was the forecast looked like rain, and it did end up raining on Saturday, and, and you got to preach on Sundays. You don't have the option of missing church like yeah. some others in the congregation do. Yeah, it wouldn't look too good if uh, 11 o'clock on Sunday morning coming to preacher wasn't there. So uh, I, I was really scared to get – stuck and rained out up there and driving all the way up and all that but uh I, i'm glad you got to go and enjoy it and Heck it was yeah. a good show and i hate i missed it but you know sometimes there's a reason you know r bigger picture stuff that we don't know about but. hey you never know man well tell me tell us a little bit about you because i i've known you for a little bit just through the pains as just a racing fan per se but then the more I get to know you the more i realize how sinful you are with all this alabama stuff <laughs> no i'm just kidding but Tell us a little bit about you. How old are you? Where you come from? Just some of the basics. Well, um, I am. I will be 50 years old next March. Um, I was. I'm originally from here, born right here in Alamance County. And uh, when I was about three years old, my dad uh, picked us up, and moved us down to Columbus, Georgia, which is right on the Georgia-Alabama line. I grew up on the Chattahoochee River, and uh, just grew up there playing stick and ball sports and all this and that, and. I guess with racing, my my first racing memories, believe it or not, are listening to cup races on the radio with my dad. Um, he'd be out on Sundays washing his truck or putting spark plugs in or doing brakes or something, and we'd you know have the race on. And so th those those announcers back then did such a good job of painting a picture with words and telling us that it sounded so exciting it was probably like it is today like you know they were within 10 car lengths of somebody but yet they was on his back bumper yeah <laughs> and so i you know i just kind of started the interest there but um you know never really we weren't going my dad was a huge race fan when, all his life but we weren't really going then and um, as far as racing goes we kind of met somebody that had a, had a dirt track car and went out and started kind of going and you know just it kind of went from there I, I mean there's a ton of stories about how we really got deep into it but um i don't know how deep you want to go in that rabbit hole but that's well a, <laughs> we'll we'll spin it out eventually but i i find it interesting about the the listening to it on the radio because i feel like that's where a lot of people that because not everybody grew up in a place that was near a cup track or where it was feasible to go to a cup track but at that time nascar radio and still somewhat today it just has such a long reach and all these country stations and whatnot play it and it's just it's easy to get a hold of honestly it's it's a lot easier to get a hold of that than it is you know i ain't never heard no dirt races on on radio or indy cars got a little bit here and there but nascar radio just seemed like it got a lot of people yeah for sure and it was like i said just back then it wasn't on tv you know, yeah. I mean, it was just there wasn't it wasn't on television, so you couldn't go watch it. Um, and you know, we we would you know venture up, uh, go to Atlanta uh, Motor Speedway um, a time or two. Um, my dad would get some free tickets every once in a while from some salespeople at work, and we we'd slide up there. And um, you know, I was the first time I ever went to Atlanta, a crew member got killed there that day, and that was you know my first exposure to big time stock car racing and. Wow. You know, it didn't really traumatize me. I think I was really too small to really grasp what had happened. But, um, you know, we kind of had that exposure. The the radio, man, it just back then and, and still to this day, sometimes on certain things, I would just as soon listen to the radio broadcast as the what's on the television. Um, yeah. So tell me about that first dirt track experience, because I know that's 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 your uh, that's your wheelhouse right there. Yeah, man, that's that's what I love. And uh, I've. Like I said, we kind of we met a guy um, named Andy Jones who 
worked at a grocery store next to our house and found out he had a dirt car they were trying to get it ready and so we kind of went out there and looked around his shop a little bit and didn't really didn't really help him out we just kind of hung out and that did, we then we started going to the races over East Alabama Motor Speedway in Phoenix City, Alabama, um, the world famous playground of power. Uh, it's a really nice place, and we started going there every week, every Saturday. It became just what we did. And my parents were usually either the first people or second people there. We'd get there that early. We would get there <laughs> before they were even taking money at the ticket window. <laughs> they would come out and take our money later. Wow. Um, my dad said he had to be there to show them to make sure they watered the track correctly. So he was just that anxious to get there every Saturday. And so we really got, we were doing that and really, the, you'll love this one. We got really deep into this deal when we were sitting there one Saturday and some friends had come with us and our friend's daughter finds this funny looking cigarette on the ground. And she says, hey, look, what's this weird cigarette? <laughs> and this guy sitting behind us who was a driver, because back then the drivers, they'd, they'd run their race and they'd come up in the stands and watch the rest of them. And so and he had, still had his driving suit tied around his waist, you know, this big guy. He says, let me see that. And he takes hold of it and he says, well, yeah, this is marijuana. And he takes, he said, I'll get rid of it. So we're like, oh, yeah, he's going to get rid of it, right? But then we get to talking to him. He's a police officer. Um, oh, so guy's name was al baker him and my dad then they i don't know something happened that night and i think the very next day we were at his house and we started hanging around him and helping him with his his dirt cars and and kind of i mean then it was every every saturday a lot of fridays you know driving over there during the week and working on them and just you know that really really got me excited about racing and especially dirt racing and um that was what really got me going and you know i i'd sit there and racing be happening and i'd tell my dad this that and we'd go driving home and, I, and my dad said if you would concentrate on your school work half as much as you worry about this racing you'd be okay and right. i was like well that ain't gonna happen <laughs> and, that, and that was the time those cars you were going to see they're not i think people that come into dirt racing now i'm glad they're here but i think they're spoiled because you see a dirt lake model today, and it and it, it's a pretty daggum modern piece of machinery. It's got a ton of bells and whistles and engineering on it. And you look back at those cars that were running when you were, you know, when you were a kid, you know, even eighties, nineties, up till probably about ninety eight or ninety nine. I mean, it was just it just it was just a much simpler machine. Oh oh yeah, I mean I remember. I mean, well the first car that Andy and them had was a was a Dodge a dodge uh, challenger i mean it was a, just a street stock car dodge challenger uh, didn't want nothing special just more or less a street car with a roll cage in it and a little little motor work done and and al he ran in the, the when we met him he would run he was running in the thunder class which was basically a stock chassis car um with maybe a uh, it might have had a you could put a camaro clip on it but it wasn't wasn't a real purpose-built race car so to speak yeah and uh so you know i can remember i look at these cars now walk around in the pits or something at a late model race and i'm like man you know we had they're they got nice brake bias adjusters and we had a rod that come through the firewall <laughs> that you cranked and had had left and right on top so we know which way to, to he out would know which way to turn it you know we didn't have you know and of course we didn't have any money either so you know we were just getting by but um it's amazing in the technology and i tell people all the time that are new to they kind of go and see a dirt race a late model race you need to go and you need to walk in the pits yeah. and you need to really look at these cars because seeing them from the stands you cannot appreciate the technology that is in these things i mean it is amazing and the smart people that are working on these cars uh, it, it and, and it's always been that way tyler guy might have had on overalls and, and no shoes and chewing tobacco and spitting it down his chest but some of the things they did with cars in the 60s and 70s are amazing um you know I, gary Ballou, if you read his book some of the things he talks about doing back then i'm man how would you even think of yeah i don't, <laughs> I don't talk about running drugs but i'm talking about stuff he did with cars yeah it's amazing and 
you know, it's it, that's one of the things I love about racing is that ingenuity. And I think some of the bigger um, series and, and programs tend to limit that ingenuity probably more than I'd like to see. But yeah. I understand they're trying to keep costs down. I get it. But, you know, you can keep costs down and l- let people think. I'll tell you what, the only things I know about East Alabama is National 100. And every time I watch it on pay-per-view – it's about twenty. It seems like it's twenty different classes of late models out there. Was it? Was it Man. like that back then when you were a kid, where you were going to be there for quite a while if you showed up to it, watch uh, National One Hundred and Alabama State Championship weekends? Um, it's worse now. Um, back then, they would run all the features on Sunday. Um, you pretty much do everything else, and usually back then, you'd be you'd be home before dark. Okay. I'll I tell you a funny story about that. We we were there, and we had on the way home, we decided my, we'd decide we stop at the grocery store to pick up some things or whatever, and we go in the grocery store, and we had red dirt all over us. You know, it's a day race down there, dusty. So that lady back at the grocery store, she said, what in the world happened to y'all? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is, it's a big deal. I, I tell you, if you're a dirt racing fan, you, you owe it to yourself to go check it out one time. It, it is really a long weekend but it is a fun weekend um it's a lot you get your money's worth in racing um if you love racing it's great if you're just a casual race fan i'd stay away it's probably not for you you need to be die hard yeah. you, you you need to be one of those people um but we grew i mean we were there and did you see any like real big names come through there oh everybody came through i mean uh, bloom I, I remember bloomquist when he had short hair um you know <laughs> coming through uh I remember when he was fresh, uh, Jeff Purvis, Blackjack Boggs, uh, Freddie Smith, every, everybody who was somebody in, in dirt late model racing came through there um, at one point or another back then. Um, and it, it was, you know, we, we were there. Um, I, I, I tell you a funny story, you probably like this one. Um, it's not funny to me, but you'll like it. You'll, you'll think it's funny. All right. Um, when I turned 16 years old, my 16th birthday, never forget it. We went to Atlanta Motor Speedway. The ARCA race was at. It was a Saturday. They run the ARCA race on Saturday. We knew some people that were going to be in the ARCA race that we'd met through the dirt track. Matter of fact, Billy Thomas, who ran East Alabama, was running the ARCA race, and a couple other people. Al Baker, the guy that drove the car that Dad helped with a lot, was was a gas man on another ARCA team. So he was going to dump gas that day, and then we were going to drive back and go race that evening. Okay. So we go to Atlanta. We watch the ARCA race. We drive back that night. Car got there, and Al wins the heat race by half a lap. I mean, just he's on cruise control. Start the feature. The first lap, this guy wrecks him, runs him in the wall, tears the car all to pieces, and breaks his shoulder. Total the car. Eight weeks later, we... Fix another car. Takes us eight weeks for him to heal, build another car, get it ready. We go back out. The same guy on the first lap of the race knocks him off. Now, East Alabama, if you've never been there, has no wall on three-fourths of the track. Yeah, it's just the front stretch between the drivers and the fans. Exactly. The same guy hits him, knocks him off the back of the track, rolls the car, totals that race car. Jeez. So, I run, I'm the first person, I run across the racetrack, and I look down, and I can see Al is moving, and he's getting out of the car. I'm like, okay, he's fine. So I go find the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> and they got him stopped. On, they got everybody stopped on the racetrack. So I run, and I jump in the back of his car. Oh. So, you know, dirt car's open in the back, and it's decked. Yeah. So I jump in the back of his car, and I'm laying on the deck with my arms around him, choking him from behind. <laughs> and the people are trying to pull me off of him are doing nothing but helping me choke him. Yeah, they're just making yeah. his grip, your grip stronger. <laughs> and so they finally got me off of him, and the sheriff there was kind of a buddy, a buddy of ours. He said, uh, you know, I could take you to jail. I said, you wouldn't do that. He said, no, I wouldn't. I'd rather lock him up. But. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say you know, he, t- he totaled two race cars for us in eight weeks and uh, actually and broke the other shoulder this time. Oh. So, uh, needless to say, I'm not, wasn't a huge fan, but looking back on it, I'm like, man, it, it's crazy. Um, but, you know, we did that for a good while, helped him a lot, and got me my first chance to drive a car, which was very interesting. Oh, uh, yeah. Tell, I didn't know you ever drove. Tell me about yeah, that. I, yeah, well, I drove uh, – 
we had Al Al Baker. He was a super guy, and he had loaned a guy. He had another trailer. He had loaned a guy his other trailer to pull his race car. Well, the guy never brought the trailer back. No, he just they just he showed up. Those. He raced one night, and he never he never showed up again. So Al kept calling him, calling him, never got him back, never could get him to bring the trailer back. So we found out where it was, and we went and got the trailer. When we got the trailer, it still had his race car on it. Hmm. And it was a 70 model Chevelle. So we brought it home. Al, the guy called Al, said, hey, man, did you get my race car? He said, no, I got my trailer. <laughs> so your race car just happened to be on it. Yeah. And he said, and when we got the trailer, one of the fenders was knocked off of it, and the tongue was bent and had a flat tire. He said, well... He said, I figure you owe me $300 or $400 to fix my trailer. And he said, you give me my money, I'll give you your car back. And the guy said, just keep it. Oh, okay. So we had a race car. Right. You know, and they fixed it up for me to drive. And I only got to drive it once. I was already on the delayed entry program to go in the Navy. So we went and we took it to Talladega Short Track. Ah, the Hornet's Nest. The Hornet's Nest. They didn't call it that back then. They just called it Talladega back then. But... We took it up there, and uh, we had the motor in the car wasn't any good, so we put a motor in it that come out of a modified or something. So it was a little bit cheated up. Uh, um, but it's what we had. We weren't trying. We we really weren't trying to cheat. We just didn't have anything else. Okay. And it had gear drives in it. Pete Jackson gear drives. So you could hear them. So I couldn't crank the car up unless there were two or three other cars around me running. So, so, otherwise, it's going to be real obvious. Yeah, they're going to know we're cheating. <laughs> There's a, I still have a video somewhere, of, of, and I'm driving that car down through the pits, and you can hear I mean, I'm like, holy cow. I'm so like wondering. a dang bulldozer. <laughs> all, all, the, all the tech man was worried about was I had to take my mirror out of the car. That's all he cared about. <laughs> Sounds like a modern-day tech man today. <laughs> so long story short, I got to drive it one time, and the – wouldn't stay run that thing at a three-speed in it and running in third gear well in the race it let off the gas it pop out of third gear so i have to jam okay. it back in the third gear okay so then i'm trying to drive with one hand and hold it in third gear with the other hand i've never driven a dirt race car before and i then it was terrible i was all over the place and trying not to get killed at the same time so we had a caution or something and i get I gonna have a restart so restart in second so I said, well, I'm just going to leave it in second and see what happens. Yeah. And, you know, it tacking up. Wah, I, don't, I don't know how, how high because I didn't look. But I come by, and then the next time I come by where my dad was standing, he was waving his arms and jumping up and down and telling me to come in and come in. So I pulled in. He said, get out of that thing before you blow that motor up. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. That was the, that was the end of my first uh, attempt at being a, a race car driver. Um, which you know it was a it was a lot of fun, but uh, it was scary and I wasn't very good at it. But you know it was you know I, I don't I, I appreciate the opportunity. Just wasn't you realized pretty quick it just was not your thing. No, I mean I tried again. I mean I had an extreme car run over at Ace for a couple I don't know two or three parts of seasons, and we run did some dirt racing with them and with uh, Buddy Payne and. David Bledsoe and some of them, we'd go up to Virginia and have some fun up there, Oak Level and different places. But I, I never have, I, you know, I did some kart racing, but I, I just never have been able to, to really get the driving part of it, Tyler. I, I just, I don't know. And I, don't, and I believe that not everybody can do it. I mean, I, yeah. I, I think there are certain people, I mean, you can get better at it. But I think there are certain people that just have something that's God-given that gives them some of those abilities. And obviously, that he didn't give me that. I, I just, as much as I'd want to be one, yeah. I don't think I am one. I don't think I could be one. I, I agree with that. I've, I've only driven an extreme car twice at Ace, and it just, it did two things probably like it did for you. Number one, it, like, it gave me a greater respect because I didn't really respect the speed watching until I got out there. And then number two, it was a further reminder, you just stay in the stands. It's okay yeah. to just be a fan. <laughs> yeah. It, it is, like I said, for me, you know, I've kind of always wanted to do it. And I've had, you know, some opportunities to piddle with it and, and been fun. But I'm so competitive that if I can't really be good at something, then it's it'll be a problem for me, you know, yeah. and – and I was fortunate enough in in my life to have helped some people in 
do in some racing things and and been and had some success on that end so that's always you know that was fun and i learned to i do like enjoy working on them and i do enjoy you know figuring out what makes them go and what makes them turn left and what gets them straight coming off the corner and you know it, it that's that's fun to me um you know trying to find the little nuances and the little gray areas in the rule book and things like that are always fun and challenging but i think i'm a much better crew member than i am a driver yeah that's fair did you have any favorites when you were growing up down there or did you just like seeing any kind of racing no matter who was out there oh i I would watch any kind of racing period um you know but really uh Early on, uh, of course, Al, Al Baker, you know, he's just a local guy, but he was he was my favorite because that's who we knew and that's who we were helping. And there's a lot of guys that come through. I used to – I loved Jeff Purvis um, when he was – he'd come around in his dirt late model. Um, you know, to me, he, he was the first person to me to stand out to have a professional-looking dirt late model operation, you know, which what I really despise now. He had to – Toter home and the big trailer and you know james finch was pumping a bunch of money into it and all that and and, and jeff was a heck of a driver i mean yeah. you know he was the first person to ever see blow a motor up on a car and then pull another car out and go race you know and he was one of my favorites red farmer oh to this still day racing still <laughs> uh just a legend um i tell you something cool about red uh having met him several times down because he would race at talladega short track and we'd go up there and run some and um he one one year in the it would have been in the late 80s or yeah late 80s on the weekend of the big cup race one of the cup races at talladega they had a match race dale earnhardt came over and he drove a guy named james klein's car and it was just him and red farmer and they ran three 10 lap races Best two out of three was the winner. Well, they split the first two. They come out to, out of turn four to the white flag in the last race, and Earnhardt was leading, and Red Farmer dumped him <laughs> and went on around and won the race. And, I mean, it, I, I, that was, to me, that was poetic justice, I guess. And For all the people that Earnhardt dumps yeah, on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, you know, and old Red was just laughing his tail off. You know, he, he, he uh, just – a guy that just for me, he's never been super successful, uh, you know, on the on the the largest stages, but he's done exactly what he wanted to do all his life, and to me, that's that's amazing. He reminds me of an older version of Kenny Schrader. Yeah. You know, if you if you just went by the, the 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 big NASCAR stuff, you'd probably think he was just an also ran. But if yep. you actually look at what he does race, you'd be like, oh, this dude's. A hero. Yep. I mean, just for his commitment, how long he's still doing Well, and if you look back in history, in NASCAR history, and really study it now, he was very successful in sportsman cars and things like that. He he won a bunch of races. And then he crew chiefed Davey Allison's Bush stuff and, and you know, and, and super guy. I mean, just having met him and uh, just one of my heroes, really, and, you know, in life. And i tell you this one about a – you'll love this one, man. This is another little track down in Alabama. See, going down there, it's it was so fun because you could race a lot, you know, Fridays and Saturdays, and there was a lot of racing you could do. And back then, you could take the same car, run it Friday night, go home, you might change one or two things and go race on Saturday. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, wasn't as – you know, tracks didn't seem to be at each other's throat so much. There was a little track – uh, and it's still still running today, I think, called Penton, Penton Raceway. And back then, it had been closed for a while, and, I, and they were reopening it. So we go up there, and we take – and the first time we go up there, the guy running the place, he said, we, we only got two rules, no fighting and no protesting. <laughs> I said, this place is right up my alley. I'm about to say, keep it simple. I said, then we said, well, we looked, I said, well, where's the scales at? He said, well, if there's any question about weight, we'll drive down to the lumber yard down the road and weigh you. <laughs> so that the next, the next time we went up there, we brought a modified up there with a late model motor in it. And, of course. And, and won, won the heat race, about lapped the field in the heat race. And then 
guy come over after the heat race. He said, what in the world kind of motor y'all got in this thing? We said, oh, it's just old backyard 350. That's all. We just stowed it together. <laughs> and would, would have killed him in the feature, but the, broke an axle. And the guy told us he didn't, he'd appreciate it if we didn't bring that car back up there anymore. So, you know, those are the kind of fun things we used to get to do back then. And, uh, you know, then... Of course, I went in the Navy and did that for a while. And um, when I was in the Navy, my parents moved back to North Carolina, trying to hide from me, I guess. Um, but I found them and moved up here when I got out, and you know, kind of did some cart, little, little cart racing and and stuff like that. Out at start out at that old Red Rock racetrack out off one nineteen. And I've heard stories about Red Rock. Man, that place was fun, man. I tell you, that was a fun little racetrack. Uh, had a lot of fun. It was fun then because you could show up at about 5 o'clock on Saturday evening and about 11 o'clock you're headed home. Now you go to the go-kart track, you got to get there about 5 o'clock in the morning and about 5 o'clock the next morning you get to go home. And I, you know, yeah. I'm too old for that. But, um, and the cart's got more – they're funky looking. I, mean, I see those pictures of those ones that y'all used to run and it was the open wheels and you, and you could run up on people. All you had was a number tag on the back yep. or whatever. Now – they look like a race car. They got the whole body in the front thing. It was just a different time. Yeah, it, that's how I started. Just had number plates, and your feet were kind of exposed. And yeah, everything was. You know, it, it's and then I rem, I mean, when I was still doing it, that it, that transition was taking place, and you know, it it just it's like every type of racing though. It cycles through this thing to where they try to do something to make it more affordable and attract people, and they do for a little bit, but then the racers mess it up. Yeah, you know, carts did the clone motor thing. You could go get a motor for a couple hundred bucks, and you could race it. And now, guess what? You can't do that anymore. You know, yeah. it. We did that for a while, and and about, I don't know, ninety three or so, ninety four. I I met Keith Perry, run a super stock car over at Ace, and I remember Keith Perry started helping him. And man, I learned so much about race cars and especially asphalt race cars and what year was that probably around 93 or 94 when i met him so at that I'm, I'm gonna put this in perspective for you so at about that time you were in third grade <laughs> no well, no 93 i was five but I, what i'm getting oh, at is so you're over there helping keith perry on a super stock my uncle owned a piece of richard bailey's modified okay ran over there number 31 yep. so we would we were going over there on Fridays, and I was pulling for Richard Bailey in the modified super stock. I was pulling for Timmy Hazlip and late model. I was I was diehard Robert Turner fan, but I remember seeing Keith Perry. Yeah, yep. I probably well, I probably didn't see you because y'all probably pitted on the back stretch. I probably didn't. I probably well, would have never actually seen you in the pits. Yeah, we would normally have to pit um, wherever we could find a spot because we were always struggling to get there on Friday. Um, yeah, practice was at six o'clock. So you yeah, were... practice was at six and we worked, we all worked regular jobs. You know, Keith, uh, Keith and his dad, AM, or when I first met him, Keith was in college. Yeah. He was still going to school and AM, his dad, he run a grading company. And so, you know, we were always, um, I'll tell you the, in 95, I think it was, we won five out of the last seven over there in that class. And one of the ones we won, we got there so late, the super stocks were on the back stretch lined up. Oh, and man. we unloaded on the hill going in the back gate. Yeah. Was it Jerry, the guy you used to work at the back gate? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember his last name now. I saved my life. Yeah. Anyway, Mr. Jerry, super guy. passed away now. Good guy. He, he opened the gate. We unloaded the car off the trailer on that hill. Keith drove right onto the racetrack, started and in the back, tail. <laughs> and won the race, and then crossed the scales, did his interview, and drove right back off and right back on the trailer. <laughs> and that was the, one of the most fun nights I ever had at Ace Speedway. That's wild, man. Because then we were like, do we even have to buy a pit pass? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, like, we, we just got it here for cheap. We didn't do this more often. <laughs> but it, we had a lot of fun, and uh, it was I learned a lot, um, you know, because we didn't have much money. Keith Keith didn't have a lot of money and, and we you know, we would we would just make the best of everything we had and you know, a lot of things that other people would throw away we would use. Yeah. And uh and that was uh we'd we'd take it and use it and then we'd outrun some of them with the stuff they were throwing away and that was I took a lot of satisfaction out of that. And that was also 
you had 20-something late models at Ace. You had your Barry Beggarly's, your Richard Landreth's. You had the Kings and the Modifieds. Yep. You had, I mean, it was, it was a, I remember as a kid, the, the, the pits seemed like they were always slammed today. Oh. And, and almost everybody was on an open trailer. It was, yep. There weren't a lot of closed trailers at that time. It was full, uh, full field of, and, and really good racing. I mean, Ace has always been a track that's hard to pass. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a tough racetrack. Um, and, but it was back then, you know, man, Jay Fogan was still coming around some Todd Massey was running Donnie Apple and in the super stock class, you had Keith and you had Timmy Hazlip was there. And, uh, Mark Rumley was, he'd run that class for a little bit there. I think he was driving Sarge Tally back then. Oh, some. Sarge Tally. And, uh, you know, some of those people that come through, um, we just kind of missed Colin Engel. He'd been through and kind of moved up and. I mean, it was just a good, it was good hard racing, um, yeah. you know, but at the same time, there were people that, you'd help them. I mean, I, I never get, Ray Kimry was running in that class with us, and Ray was a super nice guy. He didn't, he never had a whole lot of help, and something, I don't even remember what, something had broke on his car in practice, and we fixed it for him. Me and Keith fixed it for him, and went out there in the race, and doggone if he didn't beat us. I think he won. We finished second, and I was like, "Man, I ain't gonna fix nothing for him yeah, no more." You know, <laughs> but you know that was fun, and we had a real good year in '95 in and then '96. I think it was '90. I don't know. My, I'm so old, man. My years get mixed up. But '90, I know '90. Then I think the next year, first four weeks, we just tore the car all to pieces. Four weeks in a row, oh, and. My wife was pregnant. Keith's wife was pregnant, and we just we just threw our hands up, man. We we were done, and I think we were out of money, and we were out of patience, and it was time to take a break. And so Keith stepped back for a little bit, and I stayed away for a little while. And could I? I mean, every everybody that's been involved in racing or is involved in racing knows what it's like. It is like. I, I've never used drugs, so I, I can't say that for sure, but I feel like it's just like an addiction. Yeah. And I missed it so bad. So I said, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I got to go to the racetrack. And when somehow, some way, I don't even remember how, I, I started helping Larry Cook. You remember Larry? I do, the old C6. Well, Larry lived in a trailer park over here between in Graham and Burlington area. And his race car sat on his trailer right outside his his car trailer right outside his trailer, yeah. and poor fella, he, you know he he didn't have a whole lot, didn't have a whole lot of help. And I said, you know what, I'm gonna help this fella out. Cause give me something to do, I can be at the racetrack, and he needs it, and you know we'll do what we can. Yeah. And you know, I think one of the things that one of my things I'm most proud of that as far as racing stuff is that year Larry won three races. Wow. And I'd never seen him win before. I think he'd won bef way back in like the 80s or 70s that, or something. That one was a dirt track. You know, but I'd never seen him win. And he won three races that year. And like to won the championship. Yeah. We come down to the deal. Uh, him, Jerry Scott, and Brian King. I think it was really Brian had not been running the whole year. Yeah. Brian kind of showed up here and there when he wanted to. I, I don't know if he was doing some of the tour stuff back then or what, but it was between him and Jerry. And actually, I think, had a little bit of a lead on Jerry with a couple races to go. And I'll never forget, Larry was leading the race, and Jerry and Brian were coming. And I was on the radio. I was like, hey, they coming. Let them go. Yeah. And about the time I got, I said, they coming. They got Jerry, there. Jerry got him. And and I honestly did it on purpose. It just, Jerry was running from Brian and, you know, it happened. Yeah. But tore the car up and finished last that night. And, you know, we had one more race and couldn't make it up. But, you know, it, it but still, it was, for Larry, that was a, a year. I hadn't forgot it. I don't think he hadn't seen him in a long time. But that was fun. It was fun to see something. And we, it was so fun because we would, I called in every favor to everybody I knew at A Speedway to borrow parts and pieces and and you know 
clutches and I mean everything, J ball, everything. You know, we didn't have, he didn't have any money, and I certainly didn't have any. So we were just, you know, hey man, shoot. you got something laying around or something. We can I, I tell you, you know, and, and that community of racers, though, I mean, that that's something that people that aren't in it don't understand. Yeah, you know, I, I had people that say, yeah, we're not gonna race, we're not gonna race for a couple of weeks. Come take the one off my car and go run it. That's probably the thing. I think I, I was talking to somebody about racing, and that was the hardest thing to explain. Was these two people of of the big group? There's two people out on the track racing, and if one of them gets in a wreck, unless there's bad blood, they come down pit road. You'll probably have both sets of guys jump on the car trying to get him back out yep. there. And then they go out there and they might bump into each other. They might knock each other the heck out. And they might get in a fight later, and it's like. I think a normal sane person looks at that and goes, like, what are you people doing? This is nothing. It's like you don't understand unless you've been out there what it takes to stay out there. Yeah, and, I, and that's the thing that, like I said, I grew up playing stick and ball sports, and they're tough. You know, they're yeah. hard. They take a lot of dedication. They take a lot of work. But I don't think there's anything that I've ever been involved with that takes the time, the money, the, the work, the dedication that it takes to race and race at a at a competitive level on any level i don't care if yeah. it's an extreme car or a super late model or uh, whatever a mini stock you know it is it is tough and the people that are good and the people that win are the people that spend the time to do it yeah. you know every you know how it is you've been around it as soon as somebody gets it becomes a little bit successful well they're cheating Oh, you know, yeah. they're cheating, they're cheating, they're cheating. Yeah. And they protest you know, them. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you look at the success Brian King had in the, in the modified at A-Speedway. But what people don't want to acknowledge is that every Wednesday, when the time they open that track to the time they close it, he would be there and he would practice and he would work. Yep. And he would be in his – if you went to look for him during the week, he'd be in his shop working on his car. He wasn't sitting on the trailer. He was working on it. I still remember Brian being the only person – when I worked at Ace. He was the only person I ever seen uh, bring a laser over there. Yep. Because he didn't want no, you know, you might get a decent reading off the stopwatch. He wanted it. He wanted it precise. Yep. And he just, you know, he had that dedication. You know, and it's and in racing, I think that's just the way it is. But you you can race for fun. Yeah. And not be that dedicated and have a great time. Yeah. You know, I, I've it took me a long time to wrap my brain around. Why does somebody show up over here week after week after week and finish eighth? I never. I, it took me forever to really wrap my brain around. Why would you do that? Because it would torture me. Yeah. Because I'm so competitive. I, I. It would drive me insane. Um, they just over there to race. They just they just racing, having a good time, yeah. and you know that's foreign to me in my brain. But the older I get, the more I can appreciate it. As a dirt fan, I am. I'd, I'd like to get your perspective on this. So you come from Alabama. You got, like you said, East Alabama that's still, you know, you know, every dirt fan knows about East Alabama and all that stuff. Then, like you said, when you get out of the Navy, you're back in North Carolina where you came from, but now you're actually old enough where you said you left when you were a kid. So you go from all that, then you come back here, and you got the dirt scene in North Carolina to me has always been, I mean, I mean it's there, but then you see like other places, and it just seems like it's so much more diehard. Or maybe just here it's died down a little bit because, like, you get you you know you still got your three eleven, your friendship, your Fayetteville, and and all that stuff. But it just seems like different corners of the country. It seemed like this this area got so asphalt heavy in the eighties and nineties. It dirt. Yeah. It's almost like the dirt kind of took a step back a little bit. I think here, to be honest with you, I think the boom in NASCAR and Cup racing hurt dirt racing in this area because we're so close to Charlotte and we're so close to the big, the big cup teams and the Bush team or Xfinity teams or whatever they want to call them this week. Yeah. And I think it hurt the dirt stuff a little bit because one, the NASCAR people at some point they decided that they were going to cater to a different clientele, you know, oh, yeah. Bubba that worked at the junkyard wasn't the guy that they wanted to be at the race much anymore. I'm, I'll never forget going to Charlotte to the Speedway Club, and the man said I had to have a collared shirt on. I said, I ain't wearing a collared shirt to a racetrack for nothing, <laughs> but, you know, heck will you. I'll yeah. stay out here with, with all these guys. And, um, 
you know, and I, and I think NASCAR shot themselves in the foot with it too because, right. you know, their ADHD kicked in and they saw, you know, that squirrel went away and, you know, what us blue-collar guys that built the sport, like my dad, you know, and probably your, your uncles and all those people, they loved racing the way it was. Yeah. And, you know, the dirt scene here, there's probably a lot of problems. Uh, you know, track management has been a big issue at certain places around here. Yeah, I'm um, uh, <laughs> yeah, not call out any names, but, you know, uh, the quality of racing, the track prep, is, is for whatever reason seems to be a struggle around here, getting where you can race side by side. And, you know, um, but I think there are pockets in North Carolina that it's, there's some good dirt racing at, at times, but it's it's a struggle. And for us, we're kind of in this no man's land right here. Yeah, um, in the Piedmont, you know, it's like it's, it's all asphalt. Tracks. Yeah, it's and you know people say, well, I don't want to get dirty, and I, don't, you know, man, I tell you, I, I, I'll be honest with you, the asphalt stuff, most asphalt races, when the guy gets in the lead, if somebody don't knock him out of the way, he's gonna stay there. Yeah. You know, it, it becomes very difficult, and and some of it is that the you know the guys got good equipment. There's good equipment out there, and the guys are good drivers, and it's hard to pass a guy that's got good equipment. He's a good driver. On dirt, there's so many more variables. Yeah, guy hits a rut. Uh oh, you know whatever, and it's uh, it's it is, it. it I, I wish it was different. Um, you know, I I tell people all the time if I had a, a gazillion dollars, I'd build us a nice dirt track somewhere and. You know, I'd I'd love to have a a place like Virginia Motor Speedway, yeah. you know, within an hour drive of here. Yeah, that if, would be nice. Because you know, what what a facility, you know. But it's um, three and a half hours away. <laughs> the place in in Mansfield where we went to, to the when they did the Dirt Million and went up there, man, what a facility, you know, yeah. what a place, and you know, but it's dirt racing to me. I I don't think it'll ever die out. Um, in certain areas of the country, it's king. Oh yeah, Illinois, it's, where the Hell yeah. Tour runs, and I mean Ohio yeah. and all those places. It, I mean, it, even down, I think now down in Georgia and Alabama, it's there. There are very few asphalt tracks now that yeah. are running. It's yeah. mostly gone back to dirt, and I hope that it'll come that way here. Um, I think we need some leadership change at some places. Um, would some ownership change would probably help. Um, I haven't been to Fayetteville this year. I, I know they had some some changes at the top there and did some rework on the track. So now you've been. I don't know if it made the racing any better, but it's a lot different. I know that it's. I, I think it's a little more conducive, but it's still. It had a little bit of a problem of being one groove, but it's. I think it's gotten a little bit better. I think that eastern part of North Carolina fascinates me because where the piedmont and western north carolina and so much of this area and dirt racing went hardcore on the crate stuff and 604s now they're going down to 602s eastern north carolina you still get steelheads yeah i remember going to madison going to 311 and steelheads was the premier class yep and you'd see those guys try to run with the carolina clash when they'd come to town back when the carolina clash would pull 36 cars for a 4,000 win race and, you know, all that steelhead stuff just went away. It's still alive in eastern North Carolina. Daniel Tucker will still pull from Greensboro down yeah, to cool. eastern North Carolina yeah. on his steelhead. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's some of what we miss is, you know, the that class that's fast and, and it's kind of open and you got you can – there's a lot of creativity, but it's, you know, don't cost you $80,000 for a motor. Yeah. You know, you can you, – you know – your average guy can swing it with a decent sponsor here and there and can go race that class. And I tell you, too, that is – I've noticed that having spent a little bit more time down toward the eastern part of the state lately, it, I'm like, man, there's a lot more There's a lot more dirt cars down here than I, I realized. Oh, yeah. That, and I'm like, hey. That I-95 corridor has got some kicking down there pretty good. Yeah, I, that's that's amazing. I've, I've been doing doing a little RC car racing and – Go down to Wilson and look. Le- Le- I don't know if you say Lacama, Lacama, Lacama. I say Kenley. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of those guys that do it down there that also have big cars and you know. So that's a uh, that's fun, man. Go around and play and stuff. Yep. So ever since I've known you, you've got you've gotten to go do some pretty cool stuff. I know the Dirt Million. You got a, a, a real funny. Probably wasn't funny at the time, but it's kind of funny for me to hear its story. But 
going around all these different places. Give me, give, give me some fun, some fun stories as a fan. Because I, I'll, oh, you know, what, I, and I'll and I'll give you one just to kick off. I'll tell you what I mean. So the first time I ever went to With Raceway, now I, I went with Buddy Payne and, and Pops, and I don't know, I don't think you were in the back seat. I think we had uh, Stagger Two was in the back seat. Oh boy, Ken, and we went up in the Geo. You know, not not something with an actual motor in it. We went up there in a bicycle on four wheels. Yes, and we're going up the <laughs> up the up the hill on the interstate, and Buddy had his foot to the floor, and that thing. I think we got all the way down to about forty miles an hour because it just was not going to pedal. <laughs> Trying to get to the track, got all the way up there, and it rained to race at it yeah. with. But you got forty. You got forty-two miles to the gallon, though, didn't you? And we got to see Austin Dillon hot lap. Yeah, that was, that was about oh all we gosh. got to see. I tell you, uh, one funny when uh, that Dirt Million race when we went that we went to up there in Mansfield, um, Buddy, your friend, our friend, Buddy Payne, um, he's always a travel agent when we do these trips or whatever. So he he, he gets us an Airbnb in a daggum haunted house. I, mean, <laughs> I have not heard this story. I mean, we're, we're in there. All of us are, you know, all of us are sleeping. And of course, you know, Pops, he gets the the big bed on the first floor because he's old and can't walk up the stairs. Yeah. But, you know, we're upstairs sleeping and blam, the shower curtain just falls down in the bathroom. <laughs> and then we're in this town and there's like, there's not a lot of places to find food, you know, not a lot of restaurants. We're across the street from a hospital. So me and my dad, we walk across the street and go to the hospital cafeteria to get some food. <laughs> probably sitting there wondering what the heck's wrong with you. Who, who would eat in this thing that's not admitted? But I mean, I tell you, funny stories about racing. I, we, you know, as a fan, some of the things that we would do to go watch a race are funny and amazing. Oh, and, yeah. you know, I, I was in high school and – we decided we want to go to the Snowball Derby. Um, never been to the Snowball Derby. We want to go to the Snowball Derby. This fella, we had a friend, Terry Green, uh, that drove a dirt car. And his dad, Mr. Roy Green, was a retired alcohol law enforcement agent from Alabama. ATF, yeah. And he didn't. He only had two fingers on one hand. Something oh. had happened to his other fingers. He had them two fingers, his bottom two, his pinky and his ring finger. So, Mr. Green is an expert at the Snowball Derby. goes every year. He said, we got to leave at such, such times. We've got to get there at this time or we won't get a seat. And, uh, you know, okay, no problem. Four and a half hour drive from home now. Yeah, down there to Pen Pensacola. Pensacola. Yeah. So, we're going to leave. And, you know, my dad, you know, I, my dad is, we joke about Pops being tight. Well, my dad's he ain't quite as tight as Pops, but he's tight, right? <laughs> so, he ain't going to let us drive up on Saturday and get a hotel or nothing like that. We're going to get up and drive Sunday and come back. And I had school the next day. So, my dad and mom were like, well, you better promise you will get up and you will go to school. And no matter what time we get home, because it's a long way, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah I'll do it, I'll do it. So we get down there at like 8. I mean, we leave at, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the morning, some crazy time, real early. We get down there to Pensacola about 8 o'clock in the morning. They ain't even going to let us in until about 10.30. <laughs> so we're standing in the parking lot. I like, why are we here, Mr. Green? He said, well, we need some time to drink some beer and eat some uh, sardines. So he's in there with it. And, we, you know, he's out there in the parking lot with his two fingers wrapped around a beer can and eating sardines. So we're, I'm like, what are we doing? Anyway, <laughs> long story short, funny thing, Gary Ballou won that won that race when we were there. Oh. He wore them out. He he tore, he tore was class of the field. Gary Ballou was in that race. Bobby Allison was in the race. It was the first asphalt race Jeff Purvis ever ran. Oh. We were there. Um, Mark Martin was in that race. There It was a field. Um Jody Ridley, all those guys were in it, and Gary Blue just wore them out. Yeah. Um, that's the first time I ever really remember him registering with me. I'm like, man, he was awesome. But anyway, we, said we get home. At, I don't even know what time, but late. Alarm clock goes off in the morning. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I get up, take a shower, get dressed. I'm headed out to go to school. I go out, I get in my car crank my car and i look my dad's truck's still there and my mom's car's still there 
I say, well, man, they must have overslept. They better get up and go to work. Yeah. So I go back in the house, and they're in the bed. I say, hey, y'all, y'all oversleep? Oh, we ain't going to work. <laughs> I said, what? Oh, yeah. We ain't going to work. I said, oh, so I don't have to go to school. Oh, no, you going to school. <laughs> rule, rule didn't apply yeah. to them and apply, didn't to, apply to them. <laughs> so, I mean, we've done that. We've driven uh, unteen different crazy hours to go to see a race. Like you drive somewhere crazy and get rained out. Um, you know, we've we've done all those things. Uh, just just to go watch a race, do to see what we enjoy, and um, you know, got a little trip planned. Going to finally make it to Eldora this fall with my dad. Oh, so, man. you know, that's going to be exciting. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's it's something that hopefully I'll be able to do until the Lord takes me home because uh, I enjoy it. I don't go every weekend. I, I kind of pick and choose because, you know, it, it's, it can be very time-consuming. I tell you, you never know what you'll run into. I went to work a race in Hartwell, Georgia. I was working for a – it was a 525 steelhead late model series, the fuel series, and um, Brandon Overton, Mr. – you know, Mr. Whole bunches of money in my yeah. checking account now. Well, back then he was driving Dan he he was driving Daniel Baggerly's five twenty five late model, and at the time I I think he was in the Budweiser car and I'd seen him in the five, so I knew who he was. I was mm-hmm. like, oh man, this is a big name. And I'll never forget Hartwell's Hartwell Speedway was right next door to a bunch of chicken farms. I mean, we're down in Georgia, and it's June. Mm. So it's hot and it is stinking. I mean, it's it's from the back, and you didn't get used to it. It just <laughs> you just tolerated it, but there yeah. wasn't no getting used to it. And and I remember we didn't have a single pass for the lead. Brett Ham had the lead. We tried to have a restart. Delaware double file, and at Hartwell they did this thing where at the where where the top of the top of turns one and two before it got to the wall, they leveled off the banking. So Overton went in there on a restart and. Right rear climbed up too high, and the car kind of went up and down a little bit, and it caused like a four or five car crash behind. But I just remember I'm riding home. I rode with the guys in the tech trailer, and I mean we were we had to. By the time we got about ten minutes away from Hartwell, Georgia, we rolled the windows down. I mean our clothes, <laughs> everything just smelled like yeah. chicken doo doo. But that's what you do to go. <laughs> go yeah, man. It, it, <laughs> so many things we've done and i look back at man we were crazy you know when i when my daughter was five or six years old racing carts i mean we go over to orange county cart track which is right next to orange county speedway Um, they don't race there a lot i don't know if they race there at all anymore but even back then they were sporadic it was sporadic every once in a while have a big race and that was about it well, she'd been racing on dirt at Coal Ridge, Liberty, and Leesburg, and all, doing really good. And so we took her up there. First time she'd ever been on asphalt. You know, we're just going to do it, just whatever, just just to do it. Which we, we race there, and, I, and she ends up finishing about second or third there. And get done, we get everything put in the trailer, we're loaded up, we got ready to go home about 2 o'clock. She said, what time is it? I said, it's about 2 o'clock. She said, hey, we got time to make it to Coal Ridge if you want to go. <laughs> so I looked at my dad, he said... Whatever. So we jump in the truck and we leave Orange County and Rougemont and head to Coal Ridge. Get to Coal Ridge, they're pulling her class, getting ready to pull them in the grid. <laughs> I was like, oh boy. So I snatched the thing out of the trailer. I didn't even have time to do anything but let some air out the tires. <laughs> no adjustments, no No, I mean, she got the tires. We were just running on asphalt. Yeah. Started in the back and won the race. Wow. But I mean, that's. Why would you do that? I mean, why in the world would anybody in their right mind decide I'm just going to take off 50 miles that way to go run another race after I just ran one? Yeah. I, and to go watch them, I mean, we have driven. Uh, we'd leave on on Friday afternoon, go to Penton, and then Saturday go to Talladega or East Alabama. I mean, been all over Sonoma. You know, we used to go up there and, you know, I mean, it's just Dixie Speedway and Woodstock is, you know, a real not. I mean, that's a good, that's a real good racetrack. If, if when they got some good cars there, it's a fun place to be. But I heard, I heard your daughter was a evil Knievel behind the wheel. 
she Pop, was, Papa Payne has told me stories about her going about 95 down the interstate. Well, that was <laughs> and she, not batting an eye. <laughs> she she went with us to the National 100 one year. Uh, me and her and Bud and Pops went, and uh, I don't think my dad was with us that time. I think Taylor. I don't remember. I think just me and her and Dad. I mean, me and her and Buddy and and uh, Randy went and. Uh, you know, we're coming home. We're all old, so we're tired. She says, well, I'll drive. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's a good day to die. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're driving. And we're hauling. T- and she's, I'm over there asleep. I don't care. You know, look, if I'm going to crash, I don't want to be awake. Yeah. Just let it happen. <laughs> and she drives, gets us home, man. I'm I'm all for it. That was a fun trip, man. That one, uh, you know, uh, first time, I think it's the first time Pops ever bought me anything to eat. On no, that trip. you should have. You should have. Like, you should have took that and like encased it so you could have it hang on the wall. <laughs> yeah, we went to took him to get a scramble dog. What uh, is a scramble dog? That is a as uh, a, a unique dish to Columbus, Georgia, the only place that they make them. And we went to a place down there that uh, they uh, they make. It's basically they take a hot dog. And in, in the bun, the wean the bun, and they chop it up, and put it in like a tray, and then they would just smother it with chili. Not just put chili like we put chili inside the bun in North Carolina. Yeah, we keep it nice. And they nice. smother it in chili, <laughs> and then you get mustard, you get onion. They put pickles on, and then oyster crackers, and you eat it with a fork. Hmm. I don't think Pops was a big fan of the chili dog. <laughs> I think that and his IBS didn't get along too well. But. <laughs> I'm about to say. <laughs> But we had we had fun. Well, I think that time we were staying at a motel, a little prostitution activity was going oh, on at it no. or whatever. The but hourly you know. rates at the motel. <laughs> but we had a good time. Uh, you know that was one of them. You know, it's East Alabama. It's a National One Hundred. Man, you're gonna you're gonna be there all day. Oh, jeez. Who's who's the best you've ever seen? You think best race car driver I've ever seen? Yeah, just purely on talent. Where you just you just looked at that guy, whoever it was, was just like. Man, that guy's good. I don't know who can touch him. Who's? Yeah. I know it might Man, be hard to just it, pin it's one. It's hard to go cross disciplines um, because I so much respect for a lot of those guys. Um, but I'll tell you, somebody to me that has, you know, able to kind of get in about anything and be fast uh, is Tony Stewart. Um, Kyle Larson's getting that way now, man. I mean, he just. Whatever he gets in, he's fast. They're great drivers. Uh, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's so hard to compare disciplines because I, I mean, I coming up here and, and catching Barry Bagley's stuff that he did with a, with a asphalt late model car. I mean, amazing. I mean, just he could do anything he want to do with the car. Um, and watching people come up, you know, it's unfortunate because I think there are a lot of people that had a lot of talent that never really got to show it on the on a big stage um because you know finances and things like that but um but barely certainly there i you know it's hard it's hard to in the dirt late model world it's hard to argue against scott bloomquist as much as some people hate him and some people love him but the the success is the success um there's a lot of great ones out there i mean i tend i just tend to you know think I, I try to think about that person that maybe was that one that didn't really, you know, or or somebody that, um, you know, maybe had it cut short. I mean, like in the sprint world, I loved I loved to watch Jason Johnson, man. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, I would say he's the best sprint car driver ever, but I he was exciting. I yeah. think when he when he was when his equipment was was where it needed to be, he was he was fun to watch. Uh, but ton of them, man. I, and and respect across you know some of these guys in in the cup deal now i mean i i really honestly you don't identify I, with them the way we used to well i mean to me i think driving that car now is more like playing a video game than driving a race car yeah you know in the 80s i've been to talladega in the 80s when they raced at talladega in august was that back when bill elliott unlapped himself twice twice i was there <laughs> i was at that race and, and NASCAR can say whatever, whatever they want to about restrictor plates. That's why we have restrictor plates. Bill, thanks, Bill Elliott. Bill Elliott, <laughs> he did that. He qualified that year at 212 and some change. He had practiced the next race at 214, almost two, or actually 215. 
and the next fastest car was 212. He was three mile an hour quicker than anybody. And NASCAR said, we can't have this. He's stinking to show up. There is some guy's toolbox. I don't know if I seen it on Facebook or somewhere else. Someone, some guy's toolbox had the sticker that said, life begins at 215 yeah. point blank, 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 yep. Bill Elliott. And I was like, that is the greatest yeah, bumper it, sticker I've ever seen I, in racing. I was at Talladega when that happened. We were at Talladega when Bobby Allison wrecked and tore the fence down and took him like three hours to fix it. Funny story about that day, they ran out of beer. Yeah, because it was delayed. Yeah, it was they, delayed for hours. They ran and hours. out of beer at the racetrack. Now, you're talking about a bad place to run out of beer. Yeah, Talladega, Talladega, Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. On race day, that was terrible. You know, because I, I was young then. I couldn't drink, but, you know, my dad was like, ooh, he had something yeah. in his cooler. And I'm like, you could probably sell these for a ton of money, man. I was about to say, like, like a shortage. Yeah, it was crazy. And we were there when the guy stole the pace car. I mean, so we I used, forgot about that. We used to make the trip to Talladega about every race uh, once we started back going to races and yeah you know those are fun fun times there did you ever go in the infield at talladega never been in the infield at talladega i heard that's like alabama on a different level wow i i, I have pictures of the infield from the stands like with it <laughs> look like you're looking at mars there yeah <laughs> i didn't know you could do so many creative things with school buses oh you know? yeah <laughs> It's amphibious. I mean, sleep in it. And you know, I, I, honestly, I I think I, you know, there's some things I could tell you, uh, but I'd probably get my dad in a lot of trouble about, <laughs> about Talladega and, and and things like that. But I put it to you like this: in some ways, Mardi Gras doesn't have anything on Talladega. All right, <laughs> it's a uh, it's that interesting. Um, but I'm, I tell you, if you're if you are a race fan. You owe it to yourself to go watch a, a race there because there is nothing that I've ever been to that comes close to 40 cars coming by you at 200 miles an hour gotcha. in a pack. It's, it's amazing. And even the kids that drive these cars, and I say they're kids because most of them are kids now that drive these cars now. You know, I get frustrated with, you know, they're only there because most of them because their daddies can write big pay, can write big checks or they bring a sponsor, but still take still take something to drive that car in that pack and not you know wipe out the field every time you go into a corner well brother i certainly appreciate it man this has been a ton of fun well i'm glad you came by tyler and now you know where i live so you can come by more often we'll throw something on the grill next time or i or i can bring the paintball gun by and we can decorate your front porch no, let's don't do that. <laughs> that little woman in there might not appreciate that too much. <laughs> no, appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, man.